friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network podcast. My name is Lauren Kolb. I'm the publisher and CEO at cuinsight.com. And it's my job on the show to have conversations with those thought leaders who support the credit union community. We get to identify issues affecting the industry and have a discussion on some of the best practices that we can use to learn from one another and improve our credit unions. I'm really excited about my guest on today's show. We are joined by Oscar Porras, the Senior Consultant of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Humanity. Oscar, thank you so much for making the time to be here today. Thanks, Lauren. Super excited to be here. It's my first ever podcast. So uh, yeah, so I'm excited to be here and just share with you today. So yeah. Awesome. Well, we cannot wait to get started. Let's jump right into the conversation. So you're the Senior Consultant of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Humanity. Really excited. We've got a great relationship with Humanity. I'd like to start, though, with a little bit of background on you. So most of us didn't grow up thinking that we would get to work with credit unions someday. So I'm curious, what did you want to be growing up? And then what was the inspiration to take the gig as the Senior Consultant of DEI at Humanity? Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I really wanted to do something with either architecture or, or drafting. So it, it's funny because I'm I'm part of this micro generation that they say exists, the Xenials, right? Between like 78 and like 82, like right there. And so I really enjoyed drafting in high school. And I actually started my freshman year in high school drafting with like on a drafting table with a pencil and rulers. But by senior year, I was designing on a computer. And so just that in those four years, this, this change from analog to digital. I really lived that. And then so when I started college, I actually got a part-time job working as a teller for a credit union who happened to have a branch on campus. And so as one of the few bilingual employees at the credit union, I saw that there was really a need for a more diverse workforce. I was fortunate enough in my career to have some amazing leaders who helped me progress in my career. And really, as time went on and I moved up, you know, our front lines definitely became more diverse. But, you know, managers and and that executive leadership really remained uh, very homogenous. And so ultimately, that was the inspiration to join the humanity team and help credit unions be more inclusive organizations and ultimately connecting diverse candidates with awesome credit unions. That's wonderful. I love to hear about uh, folks who had one sort of drive as a as a kid, architecture, and then maybe did a, a one eighty to a to a different role. Though there's always some some sort of similarities, like a common thread between yeah. what we're looking at here. So let's pretend that you and I meet at a conference in person. Could you give us your elevator pitch on what humanity is and where you really add value to credit unions? I would say that at Humanity, we really help credit unions build capacity for becoming more inclusive organizations. And ultimately, that helps credit unions better serve their members and be the employer of choice for talented, mission-driven people. We've gotten the chance to work with Humanity a number of different ways over the last couple of years. And I know everything coming out of Humanity is, is really interesting thought leadership. I want to talk about the concept of the war for talent, which I know is something that everyone at Humanity talks about a lot. And we know there's never really been a more critical time to invest in people, especially if there's so much competition for good talent. We see, you know, even a lot changing right now with the Great Resignation. And can you talk a bit about what the War for Talent is as it relates to credit unions, maybe for someone who's never heard that phrase before? And what credit unions, how can they attract and develop and retain a diverse group of the best possible talent? I mean, it's like the million dollar question, right? But <laughs> what are your thoughts on the war for talent? Yeah. What is it? And how can credit unions win it? 
Yeah, you know, it's really difficult right now for credit unions to find talent right at all levels. And, you know, people are thinking about work differently. You know, I think strategic DEI integration is key to attracting top talent. You know, people want to work for organizations that value them and, and others for their unique qualities. They want to work for organizations where they can bring their whole selves to work. Right. So I think developing people really means providing a clear path for career growth. Succession planning is a really a, is great because when done through a DEI lens, credit unions and its employees have a plan in place for what the future looks like when with diversity being a key part of that plan. You know, employees want to be heard. ERGs or DEI committees help create a platform for employees to contribute ideas uh, training opportunities or, or just grow professionally. People are just more engaged with their organization when they feel valued. So that really helps with retaining talent. A funny story that I like to share, you know, when I first started working at the credit union, because I come from an immigrant background, I didn't have professionals in, in my life. And so I would wear white sports socks to work with my dress shoes because I didn't know. Or when I bought my first suit, there's that white stitching on the back of sports suits that are yeah. you know, coat you're supposed to take out. But these were not things that were told to me or that or they weren't normal to me, right? Right. So, when you have these strategic DI integration things, it really helps build capacity for people and really grow and learn and be more professional on all of those things. That's why I became engaged in, in the credit union movement because, you know, the mission speaks for itself, right? People helping people. That's what we're all about. So, so that's actually going to just attract a certain type of person, I think. But the development and the investment into your people, that's, that's where you help to really retain that, the, a diverse group of people. That's super insightful, I think, from the perspective of a lot of credit union leaders that might not have even been something to cross the radar of, you know, thinking about how to do it. And it's, it's also incumbent on us to really be taking the actions toward, you know, the actual intentional actions towards a diverse, talented workforce. So I'm curious from your perspective, too, we even talk about the war for talent and the ways that credit unions maybe are well positioned to win the war for talent. And then there are a lot of challenges. I know that Jill Nowacki, your president and CEO at Humanity and Randy Smith, our co-founder, were at the REACH conference recently. And, and I heard there was a lot of chatter about Bank of America raising their minimum wage to $48,000 a year and things like that that are hard for hard for credit unions to compete with. So I know from, from your perspective, you're passionate about the strength of that diverse leadership team and really the importance of credit unions knowing and designing for their communities and for their members. So can you talk about how you really see that intentionality around diversity come into play when credit unions are working to serve their communities and maybe especially those typically marginalized people in their communities? Yeah, you know, who better to understand the needs of marginalized community than someone from that community, right? It's, you know, I think when credit unions are being intentional about diversity, the frontline staff begins to reflect the community, but so does the leadership and, and the board members as well. I think this leads to new ideas and ways of doing things. You know, I, again, when I first joined the credit union 20 years ago, it meant that my Spanish language ability helped members be comfortable with asking about other products and services. Right? I have one family that I know they used to come in into the office to cash their paychecks every other week. That's all they did. You know, at first they were just happy to be able to talk to someone in Spanish. Then it became about opening ch their children's savings account. Eventually, it meant getting their first personal loan. 
that led to their first financed used car. You know, 15 years later, prior to departing the, the, that credit union, they happened to stop at the branch that it was managing at the time. And uh, they had since purchased their own home. Their daughter had gotten married and they were helping the young couple put their first down payment down on, on a home that they wanted to purchase. Now, all of them were credit union members, including the new husband, because the daughter didn't want to leave the credit union. He said, you know, you have to, you know, I'm going to add you joint to my account and we're going to stay here at the credit union, right? And that's an example of helping marginalized people move into mainstream financial world. Both the credit union and the members had a mutually beneficial relationship. You know, that's, that's the credit union dream to help members grow in that way, right? And so... You know, when credit unions are purposeful in their diversity strategies, I think that example is just, it's amplified, right? It's, it's, it's expanded on multiple times over. And when you want to reach these marginalized communities, that's how you do it. That is such a great piece of insight, I think, for all of our listeners. And I'm curious too, you know, we, we know Humanity is a really innovative company. The organization as it exists today is, is very different from a lot of the other ones in the credit union space. Break out the crystal ball for me. I know there's been a lot of disruption in financial services over the past few years. I mean, we've seen the great resignation, a lot changing in the sort of global workforce. But more specifically for for credit unions and financial services, what overall trends are you seeing? And and where is humanity's focus when it comes to innovating to meet some of these challenges that the credit union industry is facing at a high level? Yeah, the technology continues to play a major role in how we work, right? We, we used to talk about how the rise of technology would replace people, right? COVID really made credit unions pivot and how they help the members and continue to run their organizations faster than I think anyone could have predicted prior to the pandemic. You know, although technology and machines have helped us navigate the pandemic, there's still a very human element to all of it, right? Uh, you still need humans who can think critically to run those machines. You know, at the Reach conference, there was a CEO panel and one CEO discussed how their branches had moved to the ITNs, the interactive teller machines, and they were able to deploy staff from home via those ITNs so they could continue to help members. It was seamlessly overnight, right? It was not an issue for them. And so you need to now behind that is the fact that you need to have people who can bring create that creativity and ideas to our organizations. And so, you know, helping credit unions find the people that they need to be successful is something that we're, I think we're really passionate about because they're the ones that are going to create those environments where those ideas are flourishing. That ITM is such a great example too, of, of ways that credit unions can embrace technology as the world is changing, but still offer that member service that they've always been known for. And you mentioned that finding those those right people is something that as an organization you're passionate about. What, what are those things that, that humanity is passionate about as an organization? Finding the right people, is that the main one? Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing, right? Because ultimately, again, you know, you have these strategies you have, but that all comes from people, right? And we leverage, we use those people and people are the ones that leverage the technology to, to deliver those products and services. Yes, technology is important, and yes, we're moving to a more digital world. But ha- but having said that, there's still a very human connection. There needs to be a, a human connection behind all of that. And so, you know, that passion for people—it's in the name, right? It's the humanity, and so it, it, you know, that's really where that passion lies, for sure. That is wonderful. Well, if there was one thing that you think credit unions need to do better to stay relevant in this fast-changing marketplace, what would that one thing be? That's pretty easy, Lauren. It's, you know, it's focusing on diversity. I think diversity is key. You know, I, younger generations are more diverse than ever and, and staying relevant 
really means being reflective of the communities that credit unions serve. That's really where, if you could say one thing, definitely diversity. Diversity, absolutely. Well, and it's built right into the humanity name. So I think that that is (laughs) a good sign that you all are living that out. As we start to wrap up the show here, we always like to have some fun with rapid fire questions to let our listeners get to know you better. And so we say the questions are rapid, but your answers don't have to be. So a lot of insight that you shared for us today on the diversity, equity, and inclusion side. We want to get to know you personally a little bit better. (laughs) So here we go. What is a recent purchase that you didn't know you needed that has become something you cannot live without? Yeah, you know, when I first joined Humanity, I was really excited to like work from home. And I was like, oh, you know, I I don't need an office. I'm going to have my just my laptop. And then I was like, you know, I really miss my second screen. So I got a second screen. And now like, I just can't function without my second screen. (laughs) Like, it's just, it makes me feel more like, makes me feel more productive. It's just, uh, yeah, I just can't imagine living without my second screen anymore. So when we were at the Reach conference, you know, I take my laptop and I'm just like, Ah, I wish I had my second screen. (laughs) (laughs) I am the same way. The CEO Insight team is all remote as well. And for the first probably year, I didn't have a a monitor external to my laptop. And once I got that and made the switch, it made all the difference. (laughs) I've seen some, um, some virtual, not virtual. I've seen some options where you could like, pack down a little monitor that like slides over your laptop and then folds out with screens. Yeah, that would be really cool. I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but that would be really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If the if the world opens back up and we hit the road a bunch more often, maybe maybe I'll have to invest in one too. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. When you hear the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind for you and why is that? I would actually say it's two people and and that's my parents. They definitely got different things from each of them. My father definitely instilled a strong worth ethic, right? And I think that that's served me really well in my career. My mom has this ability to just forge ahead of any challenges she's ever faced and just, and from a place of a lot of love. And that's something that I think is very different than my, than my father in that sense. And so that's something that I think hopefully uh, I'll get both of those things from my parents and, you know, take the best of those two and, and really just come to this country as, as immigrants and being able to become citizens and just you know, trials and tribulations and all of that. Definitely uh, they, they've gone to this place of this, the American dream, right? And that's something that's really inspiring. That is so inspiring. Great to hear. I, I love to hear the story. And as we sort of think about how we hear a lot that parents are or somebody that a lot of our guests have mentioned when they hear the word success. So I love to hear that. Random question for you. What are you listening to on Spotify these days or Spotify, I'll say, or your platform of choice? Some folks have, have migrated yeah. over to Spotify. Yeah, I've been a Spotify user for a really long time. I actually adopted pretty early on, so I love I love Spotify, and I got I, so I have like several playlists. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I keep two things on. I think I keep two lists on rotation, and that's my regional Mexican music, Spanish music, and then my 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 nineties rap music collection. <laughs> It's and it's funny because you know I think music is one of those things where it's really reflected in, in culture, right? Of of like very much my my Mexican roots and being tied culturally to that. But then like growing up in the '90s here on the West Coast and just very into rap music and hip hop and that kind of thing. And so yeah, I have those two lists on rotation pretty regularly. So yeah, I love it. 
That is incredible. All right. Any books that you have gifted or that you just think everybody should read? So, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a big reader. And I know Jill is. Jill, Jill, so Jill <laughs> I, but I did ask Jill recently, hey, can you create a list of books that I should read? Because I definitely need some help. But having said that, I would recommend Safe Enough to Soar by Frederick Miller and Judith Katz. You know, it really talks about this concept of interaction safety. And it's all about creating a space, I think, where people can openly discuss and collaborate to help organizations soar. And so, you know, I think there were definitely examples of the book where I said, oh, yeah, I've been there before, right? Right. And so, and it's a short read too. So again, because I'm not a big reader, like that was a great book for me, but I think it's, uh, I, that's something I would definitely recommend to others. I've been getting really into the audible books, you know, being able to just listen okay. to someone reading me the book, like on a plane or on a drive somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's great. I'll definitely add that one to my list and we'll link to it here for all of our listeners as well. Let's say that the calendar is empty. What do you do to unwind outside of work? Yeah, uh, I love this question because just this time of year, um, it's actually just a phone call I got a little bit before the podcast was uh, Oregon Ducks football. So we will be on our way to the game this weekend. And outside of that, I also I love enjoy homebrewing. I've been busy this summer building out a shed office here in my in, in the backyard so i haven't had a chance to do much home brewing this year but that's uh, that's something i've always enjoyed doing that is awesome i will i will have to get some tips from you i know uh, <laughs> good beer is hard to find but i <laughs> had a lot of friends who have gotten into it lately so that's awesome all right. Well, we'll link to everything we talked about in the show notes today. Um, my last question for you is any final thoughts that you would like to share or a final ask that you have of our listeners? Yeah. You know, I would always say when you're sitting at those tables of leadership, you know, just look around and, and ask yourself, like, who's not in the room right now? And what can I do to make sure that they are in the room? Right. I think, again, I've had some amazing leaders in my career who had they not done that, had they not encouraged me, had they not very purposely put me in places to be seen, to have my voice heard, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so from that perspective, I think uh, as leaders, we need to ask ourselves, okay, who's not represented here and, and what can we do to bring them along? Right. What a perfect way to end the show. Always look around that that room where decisions are being made and bring in those people that are not there. So I love that advice. To all of our listeners today, we'll link to everything that Oscar talked about in our show notes. So feel free to check those out. Oscar, thank you so much for being on the show. Really enjoy getting to know you and appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Lauren. It's been great. First podcast. So uh, you nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, stay well, my friend. And thank you to all of our listeners today for the CO Insight Network podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again next time. Mm -hmm.